God's good and he's good all the time, isn't he? Somebody shout this with me. My best is yet to come. Amen. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, and I'm going to read uh, verses 8 through 13, and we're going to get right into the word this morning. I'm so excited about this particular message. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 8, remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ. Raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. You never know how people will respond to the gospel. But God's word is not chained. God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect. How many of you know that sometimes you go through stuff and other folks are watching you? That they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here's a trustworthy saying. You can depend on this. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. But if we are faithless, he will remain faithful. For he cannot disown himself. The key is verse 14. Keep reminding them. Keep reminding them of these things. I'm going to preach a message this morning entitled The Gospel, A Reminder of God's Faithfulness. Just look at someone and tell them, I've come to remind you of God's faithfulness. Can you pray with me just for a moment before we have our seats? Father, we thank you for an open heaven over this sanctuary. Now, I ask you, Lord, to let every word be anointed. Let your vessel be anointed today. Because we know the anointing breaks the yoke. The anointing makes the difference in just an ordinary service. So we pray that the anointing take over in here. And when we say that, the Bible teaches us that the anointing leads us and guides us into truth. Then you said, Lord, when we arrive at truth, we are made free. So I pray the anointing and truth march through this sanctuary like heavenly twins today. Do what only you can do. Father, we break every generational curse. We dismiss any generational spirit. And we shout, Lord, have your way. Come on, say it, saints. Lord, have your way. In Jesus' name. Let's clap our hands to the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. Come on, right there in your living rooms, right in this sanctuary. Come on, everybody. That's pretty good, y'all, but we're talking about a risen Savior today. Lord, we bless you. We stand in awe of you. We adore you. We admire you. We extol you. We exalt you. Bless your name, Jesus. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at someone next to you and tell them it's on in the building. And then you may be seated. God bless you. Fidelity denotes how accurately a copy reproduces its source. I'll say that again. Fidelity represents how accurately a copy reproduces its source. I'm going to say it another way for you. Fidelity denotes how accurately an image reproduces its creator or represents its creator. When I say infidelity, the antonym would be faithfulness. Am I right about it? If you said, what is the opposite of infidelity, you would say faithfulness. Faithfulness is a synonym of fidelity. Fidelity has to do with how a copy receives signal from its source and then repeats that signal to others. Infidelity did not start in somebody's house. Infidelity started in the garden. Leroy, I just want to say to you that I love you. I've been praying for you this week. Yeah, you're welcome. Is that clear communication? Good, that's fidelity, right? And it's fidelity in regards to faithfulness, right? So faithfulness is very akin to integrity. So when you say something, you do it. That's faithfulness. It's very akin to loyalty, commitment, and covenant, right? So fidelity is the ability to produce a very clear sound from the source. In other words, if I told Chief something to tell Joe, and then Joe told me what Chief told him, and it wasn't what I said, then I would say Chief lacked fidelity. That's chief giving the amen. It's a mask amen. Oh, no. <laughs> but I like how Paul communicates to his son Timothy. He does it with great integrity, and he does it with great clarity. Can I go ahead and say it again? With great fidelity. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verses 8 through 13, I find it interesting that in verse number 8, how personal, Pat, that Paul takes this idea of the gospel. Notice that he doesn't say the gospel. He says my gospel. It's like he's taking personal ownership of the gospel, gospel being good news. It's like he's saying, I own some good news. And the good news that I've labored to transmit, I do not ever want that to become miscommunicated. I want the signal to be clear. Are y'all with me? Now watch this. He says in Romans 16, 25, now to him who is able to establish you 
here, here he goes again, by my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the proclamation of who? I would ask you this morning, how is your gospel? How is your gospel? Hmm. He admonishes Timothy, his son in 2 Timothy chapter 3 in verse 14, persevere in the gospel. He tells him in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 2, keep preaching the gospel. Paul is determined to protect the integrity of the gospel. All for more preachers that were determined to protect the integrity, the authenticity, the genuineness of the gospel. If we sold out with everything we had to say, we are going to fortify the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 14, guard the gospel, Timothy. Watch what he says in the Amplified Version. Guard with greatest care and keep unchanged the treasure, that precious truth, which has been entrusted to you. That is the good news about salvation through personal faith in Christ Jesus, through the help of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. This is a father writing a son, and he says, son, with all your heart, guard the gospel. With everything you have, guard the gospel. He says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 17, I was set for the defense of the gospel. Paul says, I know my assignment. My assignment is to defend, protect, and guard the purity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We covered Wednesday night there are certain hollow and empty philosophies that Christianity has been battling for centuries and we're still fighting them today. Philosophies such as antinomianism against every moral law. Asceticism, which was really religion and it has to do with self-denial, but further than that, self-abasement, denoting the idea that if I can make myself suffer, I am closer to God. Gnosticism, which is a philosophy of knowledge. Gnosticism runs rampant in the church today. Those that think they know everything. Even Paul said we know in part, and we prophesy in part. There's a thought of universalism that is very pervasive in this generation. And universalism says sin is an inappropriate response to a legitimate need. Universalism says everyone is going to heaven. There's a philosophy of pluralism that says just take a little bit of every religion and you can build a real happy life. Well, we have a problem with that and Jesus created it. Because Jesus becomes very exclusive. And he says, I am the way. I'm not one of the ways. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man goes to the Father but by me. Somebody shouted, Jesus is the only way. And we're battling secularism. I don't need to go there. Paul wrote the church at Rome, 
in Romans chapter 12, and he says, do not conform to this world. The church cannot conform to the world after the rudiments of this age. And it's trying to invade the church. You see it week after week. Here's one of the most current that we are facing today. And this one is what we call ostracism. What is ostracism? It's also known as call-out culture or cancel culture. And I wrote this morning that this social shunning is a way to neutralize someone that is a threat to a certain ideology. So what does cancel, cancel culture do? They no, neutralize anyone that is a threat to their ideology. And we really don't know who has the power behind all this canceling. It's just somebody decides to put a tweet out and folks jump on it. Cancel culture refers to the popular practice of withdrawing support for canceling public figures and companies when they have done or said something considered objectionable or offensive. Cancel culture is generally discussed as being performed on social media in the form of group shaming. You've heard that term a lot lately. Pepe Le Pew heard it. Oh, Pepe got canceled. Cancel culture, Pepe, you out. He's canceled for what journalists view as normalizing a rape culture. Speedy Gonzalez, my dude, has been accused of perpetuating negative racial stereotypes about Latin Americans. My wife's maiden name is Gonzalez. Speedy is her first cousin on her mama's side. So in essence, Speedy and I are family. <laughs> now Miss Piggy. Yeah, Miss Piggy's next. You can read about it. Because she's been, yeah, I, I like Miss Piggy too. Yeah, she's, she's being threatened to be canceled because of her attitude and her abuse of Kermit the Frog. So Miss Piggy's gone, Peppy's gone, Speedy's gone, Potato Head gone. But I heard that Speedy was quoted by saying, you can't catch me, cancel culture. I'm the fastest mouse in all of Mexico. Live on, Speedy, live on. Cancel culture is alive, just as alive in the church as it is the world. Cancel services. Cancel your leaders. Cancel your church. 
Cancel your pasture. Block. Unfriend. Delete. Unfollow. Everything in this generation is about canceling. And I don't know where y'all are at, but I'm about ready to cancel the cancel culture. Leave Speedy alone. Leave Peppy alone. I never watched Peppy Le Pew and thought, man, I'd like to rape a girl. How stupid is that? I'm preaching better than you saying amen. I'm just kidding you. I just thought I'd throw that. That's old school. Ostracism is infiltrating the church. Let me tell you what's going to happen. This isn't prophetic. This is just the way it's going down. Society is going to try to make the church look strange. Not that they haven't already, but it's going to get worse. They're going to make us look weird, unrelatable, irrelevant. Now, like never before, the church must arise. And the church must be clear. Because if you can cancel a Bible out of the library, the Ten Commandments from the court, the next institution will be the church. I'm just going to make this public announcement. You cannot cancel Christ. And if you can't cancel Christ, you can't cancel his church. Because Christ said, upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You can't cancel us. We're going to still be here preaching Christ. We're going to still be here giving God praise. We're going to still be here telling people about Jesus. Is there anybody in this building that says the church cannot be canceled? When this, you can be seated when the Apostle Paul writes this second letter to Timothy, you've got to go there with me because I want you to feel the darkness of the room. He's not a free man. He's a prisoner. You got to go in that cell with me because jails then are not like jails now. It's damp because of the humidity from the stones. When he writes, he has to fight to get the script to live. When he writes, he has to fight to get the script to live. It wasn't easy writing these letters, the epistles. He's old. Some theologians believe this is the very last letter that he will write. And in writing this second letter to his spiritual son, the whole premise of the letter, Vicky, is to defend the gospel. 
Fight for it. Yeah. In 1 Timothy 1.18, he tells Timothy, fight. Fight, Timothy. This is his first letter. Fight, Timothy. Fight the good fight of faith. Fight. That's a battle cry. That's the sound of war. That's not ease. That's not comfort. That's not words that would placate you. This is a rally. Timothy, fight, man. And now in the second letter, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. In the second letter, he tells him to fight. In the first letter, in the second letter, he says, now, I have already fought and I kept the faith. The fight for the gospel is still present today. His encouragement to his son is my encouragement to everyone that hears this message. If you are a born-again, sanctified, blood-bought, spirit-filled believer, I'm telling you, stand and fight for the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news that Jesus came He was crucified. He was buried. And on the third day, he got up. You can't alter that. You can't change that. And you cannot cancel that. That tomb is still empty in Israel. And your Savior is still alive. So he tells his son. He says, remember Jesus Christ. I think we need to recall those words. I think we need to bring them back to the house of God. Remember Jesus Christ. He says to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, I, brothers, when I came to you, came not with the excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. Watch what he says. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Enough of preaching ideologies and philosophies from pulpits that were learned from books. I need somebody to bring Jesus Christ back into the equation. Remember Jesus Christ. My question today is, why preach the message of the Messiah and leave the Messiah out of the message? Why would you preach the message of the Messiah and leave the Messiah out of the message? Preach Jesus. Bring back them old songs that say, Jesus, you're the center of my joy. Bring back them old songs that says, always remember Jesus. Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Greek and also to the Jew. Bring back the statement of the Greeks when they approached Peter and they said these words in John 12, verse 20 through 26, certain Greeks came to them. And they came up, therefore, to Philip. Watch what they said. 
and they desired him and they said, sir, we would see Jesus. We know you're an apostle. We know you are a disciple. We know you are a servant of Christ, but we're not here to see you. We are here to see Jesus. And we need men and women of God that have to get back to, you didn't really come to see me. You came in this building to see if the anointed one might be in the house because if Jesus shows up, people will start getting healed. If Jesus shows up, people will get delivered. Well, Jesus ain't going to show up where he's not represented. Jesus ain't showing up where he's not presented to the people. I came by to tell preachers, preach Jesus at 12, sitting in the temple, teaching the teachers of the law. Preach Jesus kneeling in the dirt, canceling a woman's sins. Preach Jesus in a graveyard, delivering a demoniac. Preach Jesus on a cross bleeding and dying. Preach Jesus in a doom. Preach Jesus resurrected. Preach Jesus if you're going to preach anything. Bring Jesus back to the house. Bring Jesus back to the message. Stop preaching your latest idea and let's start preaching Jesus to the Jews. He's a stepping stone. To the Gentiles, he's a stumbling block. But I came by to tell you, we've got to get Jesus back into the equation. America, United States, church, remember. Remember Jesus. Is there any Jesus people in the building today? I'm going to ask you again. Do you love Jesus? I didn't say, do you love me? Do you love your church? I said, do you love Jesus? Born in a manger. Hang on a cross. Buried in a tomb. And he ever lives to make intercession for I came to talk about Jesus. There is no gospel that does not include Jesus. Remind them. He says in verse 14, Timothy, I can hear this old man, his voice cracking as, as he's telling him, Timothy, remind them. Keep saying it over and over and over and over. Like I told the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. Remind them over and oh, keep reminding them of these things. What things? It's in your text. It's in your text. Watch what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 11. He says these words. If we be dead with him, we shall also live with them. With him. If you are dead with him, you shall live with him. Remind them to die. Jesus said, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Die to yourself. Tell your neighbor, drop dead. 
You've been wanting to tell them that anyway. <laughs> you can't offend a dead man. I'm going to say it one more time. You cannot offend a dead man. You can't hurt a dead man. You can't cancel a dead man. Romans 6, 7, for he that is dead is free from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Christ. Galatians 2, 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Tell him again, drop dead. Colossians 3, 3, for you are dead and your life is hid in Christ, in God. When Christ, who is your life, shall appear, then you shall also appear with him in glory. Romans 6 11, likewise reckon ye your own selves to be dead indeed to sin but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Reckon yourself to be dead. Conclude I am dead. It's no longer I that lives but it's Christ that lives in me. Because when you're dead people can't hurt your feelings. When you're dead you don't get offended. When you're dead you walk by stuff. God is looking for walking dead people. Die to it. Die to your selfish ways. 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 If you be dead, you shall also live with him. Acts 17, 28. For in him we live and move and have our being. If you're dead, you're alive. But if you're alive, you are dead. You got to die if you want to live. For in him we live and move and have our being. It means to be quick and to be lively. It's one thing to be alive. It's another thing to be lively. There's a lot of Christians that are alive but they're not lively because lively means elastic it means quickly rebound it means resilient when you are lively a lively stone Peter said you have the ability that when people throw you down you bounce right back up because you got elastic in your spirit if you want to live you got to die if you want to bounce back you got to drop dead I need somebody to give him praise today if you are dead with him, you also shall live with him. This is a trustworthy saying. He said, remind them of these things. Die so you can live. The second thing he said, if we endure, we will reign. For all of you that think that this life is all about enjoyment, I got some news for you. It's good news. There's some things you're going to have to endure. But if you endure it now, you're going to enjoy it later. Matthew 24, 13, Jesus said, But he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. I don't know about y'all, but I have spent a year of enduring enduring opinions enduring flakiness enduring craziness enduring a pandemic enduring locked in and shut out and 
My Bible says if you endure, you shall be saved. It means to bear the trial and still have fortitude. To go through it and still be galvanized. To be shaken but holding on to your faith. It means to persevere with patience. It took us a minute, but we're coming out on the other side. And we're coming out better and not bitter. James said it like this. You heard of the patience of Job and you saw the end of it in James chapter 5. In other words, Job had to endure some stuff. He lost some things, but in the end, he got two times as much as he ever had. And I came by to tell the church of Jesus Christ, endure it, because we are coming out with a double portion of everything that we lost. Remind them, Pastor Rick, what are you doing today? I'm reminding you of the gospel of God's faithfulness, and I'm telling you, Die to yourself. I'm telling you, endure some things now. Enjoy them later. Watch what he says. Remind them, never deny Christ. He said, if you deny him, he's going to deny you. It literally means if you refuse him or if you refuse to acknowledge him or if you refuse, my God here today, to recognize him. Oh, Lord. He said he's going to refuse to acknowledge you. He said in Matthew 10, 33, but whosoever shall deny me before men, I will deny them before my Father, which is in heaven. I came by to tell you, in seasons of doubt, don't deny him. In seasons of depression, don't deny him. In seasons of despondency, don't deny him. In seasons of discouragement, don't deny him. In seasons of darkness, don't deny him. He's still right there. He said, I'll stay with you. What is the opposite of denying? It's acknowledging. The opposite of denying is acknowledging Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with all your heart. And do not rely on your own insight and your own understanding. But in all your ways, know. And in all your ways, acknowledge. And in all your ways, recognize him. And he will make your path straight. And he will make your path smooth. Removing all obstacles that block you. All you got to do is recognize. I ain't here by myself. If it wasn't for the Lord, I don't know where I'd be today. That's all he's saying. He's saying, give me my glory. Give me my praise. Give me my worship. Acknowledge him. You wouldn't be who you are. You wouldn't be where you are if it was not for the Lord who is on your side. I need a church that will stand up and say, I recognize that Jesus saved me. I didn't save myself. Jesus filled me with the Spirit. I didn't do that by myself. Jesus sanctified me. I didn't sanctify myself. If it wasn't for the Lord, I don't know where I would be. Can I finish this message? Sorry, Brett. I'm going to finish this message. Remind them to die. Remind them to endure. Remind them to never deny. Remind them of his faithfulness. Watch what he said. I'm almost done. Verse 13, he says, if we are faithless, talk to me now. 
he will remain for he cannot disown himself if you are faithless it literally means when you can't believe anymore he's still faithful when you are untrustworthy he is still trustworthy when he can't count on you you can still count on him I need somebody to throw your head back and tell him thank you Had a truth in this building. You've not always had high faith. You ain't always believed. All of us have gone through seasons of doubt. But while we were doubting, he was still faithful. Our faithlessness does not change his faithfulness. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God. He is the faithful God which keeps covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep the commandments to a thousand generations. Can I keep going? First John 1 John 1.8, talk about the faithfulness of God. Remind them that when they are faithless, he is faithful. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, Talk back to me. He is faithful. If you confess your sins, he's what? Faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Timothy, remind them of God's faithfulness. When you are faulty, he is faithful. When you are falling, he is faithful. When you are frail, he is faithful. Charles Spurgeon said the glory of God's faithfulness is that no sin of ours has ever made him unfaithful. The glory of God's faithfulness is that no sin of ours has ever made him unfaithful. Somebody else said you will make mistakes. You will disappoint God. You will disappoint others. You will have days when you wonder why God ever called you in the first place. But don't despair. Your usefulness to God is based on his consistency, not yours. Your call is sustained by God's faithfulness, not your faithfulness. Your call is sustained by God's what? Faithfulness, not your faithfulness. I have woke up wondering, is the call gone? Have I lost something here? And just keep walking. And one day God just shows up and says, son, I told you I'd never leave you and I'd never forsake you. I got your back, boy. Keep preaching. Keep preaching. Keep going. I came by to tell you. He knows what you did last night. He still loves you. He's still for you. Confess it. He's faithful to forgive you of it and cleanse you from it. I need 15 people to give God praise for his faithfulness. I ain't done. I got to preach this whole word. I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. 
God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability for with the temptation he will provide a way of escape that you will be able to endure it I'm going to say it again no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. I'm going to say it one more time. God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. He don't mess around on you. He don't cheat on you. He don't lie to you. He don't disappear on you. When he tells you something, you can count on it. When he tells you something, you can build a life on it. He will never hurt you. He will never disappoint you. He will never reject you. He will never disqualify you. He will never decline you. He loves you so very much. He's faithful. Therefore, Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope. Listen to it without wavering. Stop playing God. Stop playing God. I ain't talking about you acting like God. I'm talking about you playing God. Stop playing God like he's a spouse. You can't play God. Hold fast to the confession of your hope. Stop wavering. For he who promised is faithful. For he who promised is faithful. He told you, you agreed. He ain't never changed his mind. It didn't happen when you wanted it to happen. You changed your mind. You walked out on the promise because of your impatience. And God says, I'm standing right here waiting you to get for you to get back into the place of agreement so I can do what I told you I was going to do. I didn't tell you when I was going to do it. I just told you I was going to do it. And I didn't expect, expect you to be so full of infidelity. I did not expect you to be so so full of doubt and unbelief. I thought, He said, when I return, will I find faith on the earth? God is looking for faithful people. You know why people can't trust people? Because God's message has been misinterpreted. And what is misinterpreted is always misunderstood. So people can't depend on each other because they don't keep God's word. Why should I trust you when you don't keep God's word? I'm, I'm done. I'm talking about a God that's a promise keeper. He ain't your daddy. He's your heavenly father. He ain't that daddy that told you one thing and did another thing. He ain't that daddy that told you I'd be at the ball game and didn't show up. Woo. He is faithful. Lamentations 3.22, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases and his mercies never come to an end. They are new, 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 new. Great is thy faithfulness. He said, I'm so faithful. 
that every time you roll out of bed, I got new mercy for you. I'm so faithful that my love is steadfast. You can count on my love. Have you ever been disappointed by someone you love? They told you one thing, and they did the opposite. You put all your faith in them. You believed in them, and they hurt you. Well, let me tell you something. You had your trust in the wrong place. Love them. Trust him. You can't depend on their word. But I'll tell you one thing. You can put it all on the line when it comes to his word. Because he ain't going to lie. Let every man be a liar, but God be true. God is faithful. He can't lie. He can't lie. It's not his nature to lie. There's nothing in God that says, I will be fickle with you. Nothing in God that says, I'll play your emotions. Nothing in God says, I'll fool you and trick you in order to get you to do. Nothing in God. Everything about God is truth, integrity, authenticity. He's faithful. Hallelujah. 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 How many, how many times have we gotten to the end of the rope? And we say, I'm about to throw in that daggum towel. I'm the only one, me, me and Michael, we've been there. That's it. I'm throwing in the towel. Michael said, I'm making it happen. I came and tell him God making it happen. Watch. When you get to the end of the rope, God said, I told you I ain't going nowhere. He's faithful. I want you to love him today. I want this church to trust him. I want daddies to trust God and mothers to know God is not going to let you down. He's faithful to you. I want you to lift your hands all over this building and I want you to say these words. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. When people walked out, you walked in. You stayed with me through trial, trouble, tribulation, turbulence. You stayed with me. The least I can do is give you praise. The least I can do is tell you thank you. So I lift my hands right now and I tell you right now, great is your faith.